You are now listening to the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. Wait, the answer was add 10 gallons? Add 10 gallons. My first thought was we got to put active on Yeah, great. Trucks on the way. On the way. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've got two observations, uh, neither of which are really educated or well thought out. <laughs> which are like most of my observations are. There aren't a lot of problems on a job site that can't be solved with a sack full of biscuits. Today's episode of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast is brought to you by Actigel 208. Actigel 208 is a high-performance additive for the concrete industry that is greatly beneficial to the producer. It enables them to increase the percentage of manufactured sand by up to 100% and completely replace all the natural sand in the mix. In areas where natural sand is scarce, inconsistent, and expensive, this provides a huge benefit to any ready-mix company out there. Benefits of manufactured sand and concrete include consistent air content, improved compaction, and increased density. Now in the past, the downside of using manufactured sands was that they were hard to pump, hard to place, and hard to finish. Well, Actigel 208 solves all those issues. By improving suspension, stability, and the quality of the cement paste in the mix, Actigel overcomes the old issues with manufactured sand and leaves them behind. Let Actigel 208 improve the quality of your mix while saving money on every yard you produce. For more information, visit us at actigel.com. That's A-C-T-I-G-E-L dot com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this installment of the Add 10 Gallons Concrete. (laughs) (laughs) And and which installment would that be, Josh? Which installment? (laughs) I wouldn't be a good actor. I'd crack up all the time. You looked at me with like a grin, and I'm like, yeah, this is dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how we lead in episode 14. It's fun to be here, Joshua. (laughs) It is. It is indeed fun to be here. And thanks for our, everybody listening in to uh, this installment. We got Joey here as well. What's up, Joey? Oh, I'm doing pretty good for being in Louisiana. That's it. That's it. And that's only the fourth or fifth time you told us that. But now that we got all of our technical difficulties out of the way. <laughs> we really still don't have to tell everybody. People got to know. People got to know. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not even going to pretend that we know what we're doing. I mean, we're concrete. Guys that decided to start up a podcast, you think we know what we're doing? (laughs) Josh just threw himself under the bus. This is content, ladies and gentlemen. Between forgetting to record the show and shoddy hotel internet that Joey has to deal with and just overall, overall, it's it's dumpster fire. But, you know, thankfully, uh, they make really good software so I can go back and make all this sound good. It's like nothing ever happened. Bringing the people good content. That's what it's all about. Indeed. So, Joey, why on earth are you in Louisiana? Tell the people what you got going on. Well, we're prospecting down here, preaching the good word about uh, active gel and manufactured sand and whatnot. And uh, another thing we're doing is sitting on I-10 behind wrecks on the interstate for hours on end and living off of leftover Southwest airplane snacks. So, yeah, that's what we're doing today. I saw you posted that. And by the way, everyone listening to this would probably, uh, I'm assuming, saw that you posted that as well because they follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Search out Add 10 Gallons. And if that were the case, you would see an update from Joey Bell that um, sitting in traffic today, he just decided to reach into his bag of goods and uh, pull out snack mix from a Southwest Airline flight. Who saves that stuff? (laughs) This guy, because of situations such as today... I mean, you just have that stuff's not going to go bad. I mean, it's no, just going right. to ride around in my backpack. So, so tell me you're a hunter without actually telling me you're a hunter. <laughs> like, oh, look at snacks. I might be stranded somewhere and need these later. No, no. You, you know what the people need, the content the people need? They need to understand more about Joey Bell's bag. This thing is like the Mary Poppins bag of traveling concrete people. Joey, you've got to find that picture you have of like all the things that you put oh, into your bag. Yeah. Post it to our IG. Every man needs to go look. It's just the most incredible. You have no idea how much this man packs in this backpack. It's, absolutely it's actually a whole lot better than it used to be. Um, it's a, I mean, it's not that bad anymore. I've got a bunch of chargers and like adapters like 
this adapter for the car that you can just plug in so you have like 110 power anywhere uh international uh things like that so you can plug into anywhere but it used to be that i had like a headlamp in there i had the concrete bible i had what did i have i don't know i will uh, scale (laughs) scale I can, I can probably find that picture. I think I posted it on Facebook, uh, so I can I can dig back through it because I I do remember the picture you're talking about. I cleaned out everything in my backpack, and I think it was when we got new backpacks or something, or I got a new backpack, and uh, I laid out everything just like you would do a gear dump uh, or whatever. And like you said, it took up a good three by three area of everything that was in there. It may have also been when I had that boat anchor of a laptop. The what I first got here, they gave me a 25 pound laptop. It seemed like it was from 1989, Computron or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably cost 200 bucks then. No, dude, I remember. So, it had like 50 of them that they just got at some bargain basement deal and they had them stacked up and they were handing them out. And Circuit City was going out of business. <laughs> <laughs> And this uh, this place was a different animal in 2013. So you know they're handing out these boat anchors, and Joey goes, "Am I really supposed to travel with this?" And I was like, "You know, that's a really good point." And <laughs> when we all got these like super slim laptops for the guys that were traveling, I mean, it was the only thing that made sense. And anybody who was uh, flying a desk for a living, they got the boat anchors. Right. Yeah. I'm still on my I'm still on my second laptop. I don't know how many laptops you guys have gone through or what number you're on now, but I'm still just on my second one. I'm on number two. or I'm on number three. But oh, I'm on, okay. Well, like when I first got here, they gave me this little ThinkPad that had a 10-inch screen. 10-inch screen. And it was a leftover. It was a relic from yeah. uh, Bob Purcell. Dude, fast forward now, you have larger screens and automobiles in the dash. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. And, and I was like, all right, I guess I'll use this baby computer. <laughs> and then, uh, but like not long after I joined, I mean, I only had that thing for less than a year. And then they gave me like a PC and then they gave me this Mac in 2015. Right, right. Well, speaking of traveling and getting your bag ready, Joey Bell, we're going to be doing some traveling this summer because World of Concrete is officially back. Slow clap in the background. Very good. Very good. Thanks. Thanks for the uh, the effort of Informa Markets, which is the show organizer. Uh, they just recently this week received approval from the state of Nevada to move forward with a live in-person version of the World of Concrete. So uh, we get to look forward to that June 8th to the 10th uh, is the official dates. Those official dates were kind of pre-planned. I mean, back in January, they proactively just said, like, you know, this isn't going to happen. We're going to move it to June. So between then and now, they were working to actually make it happen. And it uh, turns out that uh, we're going to be able to go out there for the work concrete this summer. Um, so we got that to look forward to. Um, the proposal that the Informal Markets Group submitted, I mean, it, it was your standard we're going to lay out communication strategy. We're going to have personal hygiene stations. We're going to have increased air filtration, social distancing, mandatory face masks, shoot temperature at the door, all the stuff. Um, so they're going to do that. How long do you think those people are actually going to keep those masks on? <laughs> and how are they going to enforce that too with all those people running around in there? Yeah, well, I mean, there's an indoor section, but like a lot of this is going to be outdoor. Exactly. And, and a lot of it was outdoor originally. Now, even more is going to be outdoor. So, you're mm-hmm. telling me people are going to walk around outside in June in Las Vegas with face masks on? I don't know. Concrete people? I'm not buying it. No. Yeah. They're not but, very conformant with regular safety laws. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And then the convention center, and this is the this is a cool part. I want to talk to you guys about this. The convention center just recently completed a new expansion project. This and there's outdoor sections of this expansion project. There's another part of the convention center that they build onto or in the entire campus, and there's an underground tunnel system now. Wow. Which is cool. I'll get to that in a little bit. This total project costs nine hundred and eighty nine million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. And it joins the existing the whole campus is already three point two million square feet. So it, it build on that the finishing touches include the camp the convention center loop which is an underground tunnel system that will transport meeting attendees throughout the entire campus in tesla vehicles oh wow so yeah get excited it's pretty cool 
And then also the Las Vegas Convention Center purchased the Las Vegas monorail from the city to preserve that uh, transportation option. So reading between the lines there, Las Vegas was like, listen, we can't afford to keep this thing going. And the convention center was like, we need that thing. We'll buy it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that like, some of the closer hotels are trash, but <laughs> they're that, no MGM. <laughs> <laughs> the ability to not stay next door and have the monorail to take us where we needed to go was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I know the the hotel you're talking about, Paul, that we will not mention the name. I honestly don't remember what it's called. I think it has been bought and sold a couple three times, but I remember the first time I went to world of concrete when I first started here, my, I remember there were cigarette burn holes in the comforter and the bed was like a pillowcase filled with doorknobs. It was very (laughs) uncomfortable. (laughs) Well, you know, I think the greatest addition that could possibly happen to the 2021 world of concrete. And let's be honest, this is what the people want is for us to arrive and do a live stream of this podcast at the world of concrete. Joey Bell, are you going to be there? Are we going to make this happen? Yeah, man. Let's do it. Josh? That's all you, you need to know. I'm definitely in. Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, we'll sir. Do we'll do it. So the the end of March, uh, registration will be open for attendees. And then in April, registration will open for exhibitors. So keep your eyes open for that. Make your plans. Get there in June. We'll see you there. Yeah. Come find us. Stop by. Let everybody know you're friend of the pod. We, uh We'll have to get some uh, giveaways and stuff before yeah, we, we get out there. Swag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll get some. We'll get some. Ain't nobody loves stickers more than I do. I, I got stickers on everything. Dude, I was <laughs> I was in your shop this week. I've never seen so many stickers uh, in my entire life. It was your incredible. Little, your little golden tickets for buying thousands of dollars of gear. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You buy $1,000 worth of parts. Ooh, a sticker. <laughs> you're like, hell yeah. And it's, if you're like me, you know, I buy a lot of First Light gear. And so I get a sticker for every package I get. So I've got like First Light stickers on a bunch of stuff. And you always find somewhere to stick another sticker somewhere that i i swear to you i was i was kind of getting the sense that josh was buying things to put in the shop just so he could have places to put stickers there were <laughs> that many stickers because your laptop people can't see but the back of your laptop's covered in stickers right. and i was like oh that's nice but then i went in your shop and everything the refrigerator's covered in stickers the walls <laughs> covered in stickers everything's covered in stickers i'm like all right so this is his thing okay yeah, got it. i got a i got a buddy that calls them cooler tats I like that. I'm going to steal that for sure. That is really good. But we were actually in Josh's shop this week for something concrete related. Um, We're in our concrete lab here in Maryland. We are building uh, the test rig for the anti-washout test. And, you know, we're reading the Army Corps engineers specification for it. They're working on an ASTM version. They've been working on it for years and years. The guys down at TEC in Atlanta have been kind of spearheading that. But uh, you know, you read in the Army Corps spec and the, the, the metal basket is really the, the hard part of this thing because, you know, there, there is no basket. You can't just go buy the metal basket. And if you're going to do it according to the spec, you got to have three millimeter holes on five millimeter centers. The basket has to be exactly 130 millimeters by 120 millimeters with a lid. And you got to be able to lower it down uh, through the through the tube uh, with a rope and pull it up at a certain speed. So. When we're looking at that spec and it's like, man, if only we knew somebody <laughs> who was good at fabricating things with the uh, 15 gauge steel, <laughs> it turns out that is one of Josh Hare's specialties. So spent uh, two days in his shop to laboriously uh, drill thousands of holes <laughs> in this basket. Uh, but man, it turned out pretty nice. I saw it. I was over at the lab earlier. And I, I saw it back there. It looks pretty good, man. Nice. Yes. Well yeah, done. it's not every day you get to weld something on company time, so I was pretty happy about it. Nice. <laughs> Y'all need to post that to socials. That's interesting to see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't post a finished picture of it, did we? No, we didn't. You did get a couple action shots of me welding, though, so that's like hashtag new profile pic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cool. I, I, you know, people need to see what's going on. They're interested in what we're doing, so. Yeah. Right on, right on. Well, speaking of interesting, uh, we'll we'll get to our we'll get to our guest here shortly. We have uh, Billy Wagner on the show, and speaking of building stuff, Billy works with Pro All Incorporated. They actually uh, build volumetric trucks. 
can't wait to talk to him about some of the stuff they have at their disposal um, as they're going through the process of building these trucks. I'll have plenty of good questions. Without <laughs> any further ado, we're going to bring in Billy Wagner from ProAll. Well, I was telling the guys, Billy, I was like, there's very few people on this planet that make me feel like I don't travel very much. And <laughs> you're one of those people. Uh, could you tell the audience uh, what it is you do for ProAll and why you're never at home? <laughs> well, I set up and teach people how to run their volumetric mixer. I mean, it's, I teach them how to calibrate it, how to get it up and functional and well, you know, you're you're more than that, really. You're selling yourself a little bit short. So you also uh, sell the trucks, uh, yeah. as well as service the trucks. And then uh, on top of that, man, I, I watched you. And then, you know, when I met you uh, at a customer site, uh, I watched you change their mix designs. You're changing everything. for. I mean, you just you just had the answers to all their questions. And it was, it was really impressive. So we're really glad to have you here on the show. To- I appreciate it. Yeah, hopefully they got we got me a second person to kind of help alleviate me traveling so much so i can focus more on the sales too oh nice okay when did you get that new hire when did they come on he came on about a month ago he was one of the mechanics at where we where i used to work and so now i'm kind of teaching him the way i do it and kind of teaching him the concrete he's got the mechanical side so now i'm teaching him the concrete to get up and going that's great news well one of uh one of the things that I learned about you, and I'd love you to share with our audience, is uh, you grew up in the concrete business of sorts. Uh, yeah. Man, tell us about your family history, about, about your, your dad and all this stuff. Man, it's just a, a phenomenal history. I'd love for everyone else to uh, get caught up on uh, your family history in the concrete business. Yeah. I mean, my grandfather actually started out with a construction company whenever he got out of, out of World War II, traveled around, and then... My dad was born and they grew up, well, actually my aunt, my dad and my other aunt. And then they traveled around the state doing construction. And then dad went to work for that construction company also until I think it was 90. And then my dad started at Custom Creek in 1990. And then I started in 99 and continued until two and a half years ago. So, so let's get into the story about your grandfather. Your grandfather comes back from World War II, and uh, he decides he's going to start his own thing. And uh, and he met. Did did he meet? Was it was it him who met your grandmother like at a diner or something? Yeah, yeah. When yeah. he Tell was with that. the construction company he worked for, they were in South Texas somewhere. I think it was Sonora. He met my grandmother in a diner, and then oh, uh, they were in Buda. Oh, okay. So they were just south of Austin. My mom corrected me. so so they were in buta texas and then got together and that's where they were until he died well they lived moved to dallas to settle if i remember correctly he you know he gets he gets his trailer and he's got his stuff and he's he's rolling along and uh she just joined him she jumped in the truck too and yeah yeah they they grew up they got together and she went where he went then the whole family just went where they went. That's, and that's awesome. the way it was. <laughs> it's like the Bonnie and Clyde of concrete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not the bank robbery. Well, Maybe. I don't know what they were charging. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, so talk about you. You talked about um, the guy that you're hiring. He's a little bit more mechanical than he is on the concrete side. What's What's your background, Billy? Do you come from a mechanical side of things, or did you come from a concrete knowledge base and you had to learn the the volumetric truck side? I well, let's see here. My dad was a mechanic at Custom Creek, where I came to, when I started. So I started out actually building our own volumetric mixers when I started there. I worked, started in the fab shop. And then six months later, I moved over to driver. So then I learned the concrete side and got fluent with it, along with still working on the trucks in the shop. Because they'd send me out in the middle of nowhere and go, okay, here's your here's your stuff. Here's who you can call for parts and materials and away you go. <laughs> Man. Just throw you right into the fire. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, think or swim, right? Yeah. I mean, if me and the people I worked with, we would just do what we had to do to make it work. 
What um? So you said you had to, or Paul was saying, I guess that you were doing mix designs for customers. You know, when you're out on these jobs or what have you, what kind of changes to the mix are you making, or or why are you having to change the mix to make the truck run better, or are you just trying to tune the mix to the truck, or what basically are you doing tuning there? it up to like to say that one customer that were Paul and I met, it was he was swapping over to the that different ad mix, so just kind of setting those trucks up to do that and calibrating them to, so the truck knows how to run on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, then every now and then you have to kind of fine tune the air, air entrainment. So it'll dose up a little faster. Usually volumetrics are a little harder to get the air entrainment to, cause it doesn't have that time for the air to sit there and churn in a drum yeah. all the way there. So it's usually that's your one temperamental plot spot to mess with. But once you get it dialed in, you're pretty well dead on after that. Mm-hmm. Are your customers using it for wet mix, like wet mix applications, or do you have like dry mix gunite customers too? We do a little bit of everything now. We've even started producing our own gunite mixer itself too at ProWall. Mm-hmm. So oh, we wow. The, and it, so it's got kind of some of the same technology we use on our concrete mixer in the gunite mixer mm-hmm. to, to back it up. Are there are there any differences in uh, in the trucks, like for a wet mix or a dry mix application? Like, are there any differences? Or could you take a metered truck for a wet mix application and just use it for dry mix gunite? Yeah, you you could okay. use it for a dry mix gunite. You know, mm-hmm. there there are some things you would tweak depending on what mix it is. You know, uh, the older trucks probably calibrated on the slower on the low side of the cement, so you can keep the gates low. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the biggest thing is if you're using a regular concrete mixer to do the dry mix instead of wet, you can bind up that auger real quick. Mm-hmm. So if you can slow it down, it'll help it with it coming out that auger without breaking or tearing up too much stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more question I got, and then I'll let one of the, let the other guys start asking some questions. But one thing I've always wondered is uh, how do you add fiber to a mix in a metered truck? Is there some kind of apparatus that do- doses yeah. that fiber right in there, or what are you doing? So we got two different styles that we use in ours. We have one that's actually plumbed in and controlled by the hydraulics that uses bagged half-inch glass fiber. And then we have the spool that you adjust the cutter to how much you need in a minute. But the way our computer is, you can tell it, okay, you're producing 31 yards an hour and you can back it out and you know you need to do set your pressure at X to get your amount of fiber in. That's pretty interesting. I never thought about that, just cutting the fiber, you know, just in strands. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Billy, we're going to have uh, a, a bunch of people listening to this episode that might not be as uh, versed in the, the terminology and the overall history of the industry. Um, so if you would talk a little bit about the volumetric trucks that you produce at ProAll. And I mean, obviously, you guys are getting new customers every day, which is what keeps you so busy. Talk about the progression of that industry, which is the volumetric trucks and why either um, current concrete manufacturers or new concrete manufacturing companies would choose a volumetric truck over your standard traditional method? Well, for one, you know, they like ProAll, it actually started out in like 53, 54 years ago by, na- by a guy named Gordy Reimer. And it, they're built up in Olds, Alberta, Canada. And over the, the years, they kind of, changed names and then in 2013 2014 the two com- two companies merged together to change it into pro all but we still consider we call it the rhymer mixer still um you know volumetrics have been around shoot probably 55 almost 60 years somewhere in that neighborhood you know they started out as being for quick repair stuff for like the military and stuff for road runway repairs and everything and then it's just kind of grown out into the public market to custom creek was the fine example of it the the family that actually started it was called the reinhardt's and him and some investors had a couple of trucks and he bought them all out and turned it into the largest oh, over the 
over time, they got bought out twice, and they've been become the largest volumetric producer in the world. They got basically 100 and 120 trucks, and they're all volumetric, wow. spread out across the state of Texas. Man. And a lot of your new like people that are getting into it and stuff, it's they're seeing it because they can't get concrete. That's yeah. been their biggest problem. You know, you got a lot of your big producers, they're two to three weeks out, sometimes even a month. They can't sit and wait on that job. So they figured out that they could actually go buy their own truck and take care of it themselves. Mm-hmm. And then you got roadway repair people that are like, hey, we can do this ourselves. We don't have to pay, you know, six grand to fire a plant up in the middle of the night. And then plus on top of the concrete, they could just do it themselves mm-hmm. and then still control what they got coming off the end of the truck instead of having to worry about it from the batch plant too. Yeah. So you can, for a ready mix truck, you're not going to have that leftover concrete that you paid for and they're just going to go either dump it in, you know, one of their block forms or in some cases, the they'll just, or yeah, take it to the dump or in some cases, if they're shady, they'll resell it to somebody else. <laughs> a little water in it. It'll be okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're not endorsing that. <laughs> I think I say all kinds of things that we have to say. We don't endorse that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a, like I said, that's some of the things about the volumetric truck itself is the fact that, you know, you could, customer could order five. You go out there and you end up ordering only three. Hmm. Well, you still got two yards left on the truck. Or if you took a 10 yard truck out there, you know, you got seven something between seven, six and seven yards left on the truck. Mm-hmm. You can go do a whole nother customer's job with that one truck. Right. I mean, I've, there's been times I've traveled across the whole Metroplex of Dallas with one load on the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, I think the, the batching on a, on a volumetric truck is a lot more accurate, especially when you get down to like those one yard, two yard loads, we call them wheelbarrow loads, you know, yep. out of the plant, uh, your accuracy at a batch plant and batching one or two yard mix, uh, loads is not going to be accurate at all. Just yeah. And from the way they, the clamshells shut and it's just chattering like that, trying to make everything uh, as accurate as it can, but there's no way to get it like you would a volumetric truck. No. A small and that, that's what they're good at too. You know, one, two yard jobs. Heck I've done jobs that basically I've, I've had just enough concrete in the auger and finished the job. Mm-hmm. I did a pre-mix and ran it out and that's all they needed. Yeah. I'm actually real surprised at how few uh, like contractors, you know, per se would, uh, that don't have their a volumetric mixer like that. Like you're doing drive, like doing driveways and parking pads and stuff like that. There's guys, there's guys that do nothing but that and they order concrete and there's no telling how much concrete they pay for that doesn't get used. I imagine they're good at measuring, you know, measuring concrete and measuring how much they need, but still it seems like just making your own concrete right there on the spot would be so much cheaper. And and then the fact that you don't have to order like two different loads, like you mm-hmm. could have a load for nothing but curb. And then you got a load for your flat mix. You can do it all yep. off the same truck. Yep. Just adjust your mix cities a bunch. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had cities that will pour 15 foot of curb real quick and they'll back us back up to the head of the cut and, do the flat work till we run out or catch up to the curb and then they'll start back over with the curb again. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. You know, it's while they got their guys forming the curb, you know, finishing off the curb, they're pouring the flat work. Mm -hmm. Then we catch back up to the curb again and go again. I've done that a bunch with a bunch of cities Mm -hmm. and different contractors even. Is it mostly residential work for the volumetric trucks? Uh, it's, it's hit and miss. I mean, you got, we do state work. Like where I was at with Custom Creek, we were doing state work, even doing TxDOT, high early mixes, you know, opening the highway back up and anywhere between two to six hours. And we were pouring 40, sometimes between 20 to 40 yards a night, sometimes even 60. Good work for a volumetric truck. So uh, 40 to 60 yards a night, just to give people an idea, um, how many yards can you hold? Uh, on your volume. I know you got different size trucks, but just give the people an idea of uh, what it is that ProWall offers and, and like the r- range of vehicles are we looking at? 
So they got we offer anywhere between basically a six yard truck to a twelve, depending on the cement bin. You're looking at you know almost fourteen yards. We've uh, we've only talked about volumetric trucks one time on this show before, and uh, that was when uh, they were doing the construction at the wall at the southern border. Uh, they and I think that's one of the strengths of volumetric mixer trucks uh, is they have the ability to go into remote locations yep. and and pour custom concrete in remote locations. Can you talk about any uh, any jobs you've been on? Any any wild places and crazy areas? Let's see here. I've been all over West Texas doing power line. We did a bunch of power lines. We did one from basically I-10 in Ozona, Texas, all the way down to Del Rio. We went all the way down doing a rebuild on that power line. Uh, I've done a couple across the panhandle. Then one windmill line from Odessa to almost Big Spring. And then would be good for windmill bases, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you got, and these were just for the foundations for the, for the lattice tower poles. This Mm -hmm. wasn't even for the windmills. Right. Mm -hmm. It was just the line that they were going to transfer all the energy in the circle across the state with. And then we did one roller compacted dam up in our, where was I? Chickasha, somewhere like that, up in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. Those uh, those RCC dam jobs I mean tens of thousands of yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had like I think there was eight trucks we were doing, and we were just steadily would pull up. They'd load us with more rock and sand and back back down, run again till we emptied out. I think we were doing like two loads per cement bin hmm. on those trucks on that dam. Wow. All right. So you've been in all these, you know, far off places, all these projects. Tell us what's the craziest thing you've ever seen on a job site. Mm, That one's hard to say. Take take Uh, a time. We have an edit button. Take a time. (laughs) (laughs) We had had our girl in Florida that we had on the show and she, uh, she says she saw a meth head who like left the psych ward and was running through a job site naked. I think that so far has been like the number one. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Well, she I was mean, from Florida, so she had all kind of Florida man stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you, I'm down here in Louisiana. Louisiana is just Florida with better food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I got, um, I got some customers there in Louisiana too. Yeah. Um, I think when I was working at Custom Creek, we were, we had the city of Dallas emergency phone. So they would call us if they had a hole open for a water main. We'd come out and flow the hole up so they could open the road back up. And some of the places usually at night were the most shadiest parts of Dallas that you could get into. It, there's been a couple of times where you've had the, the druggies jumping up on the truck going, hey, uh, can I have some money? No, you need to go on. And... Yeah, it's there's been a few that I've, and it's always in the worst parts of town. I mean, it's and it's always in the middle of the night. It was a, the worst one I remember was it was the middle of the night. I get to the job site. It's a dead end road, and you see all the dr- people walking up and down the street, just steady. This is like two, three o'clock in the morning. And I'm, I get to there, they go, "Hey, we're not ready yet." We're waiting on rock for the hole. I said, okay. So I said, you can go take a nap. I'm like, yeah, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so I, I get back up in the cab and I'm sitting there and I dozed off and I wake up, look in my mirror and I don't see the crew at all. And I'm like, oh, great. So I get out and the first thing I do is I look in the hole to see if someone came in and got them and they're not in the hole so i'm like and then i hear someone behind me and i look and they're all sitting in the truck laughing at me because they see me looking the hole like i'm looking for them (laughs) you know it it's just that part of town (laughs) and like i said and i've had to go to that same i went to that same street twice within like two months and it was just like man this is I hear you, brother. I live in Baltimore. We got those places too. 
Yeah, if we ever get Dan Stone on here, uh, he can tell us all about you know the downtown plant and all his stuff on there. He can tell us about how they had to put quarter inch steel in front of their lights because people were shooting them out. Mm -hmm. Dang. Yeah, we've had we've had a few back where our yard used to be, where I used to work. The main road that runs in front of where the shop is is basically the well-known prostitution street in Dallas. Yeah. And so they would say you'd see them wander up and into the end of the yard. You're in the middle of the night trying to get ready to go out, and they're, "Hey, you want to have a good time? No, just <laughs> you need to get out of here. Come on, just <laughs> hold up, hold up. Where's this yard at? <laughs> <laughs> you can't miss it. It goes north and south in Dallas. I'm Harry Hines. <laughs> well, we've said that a few times on here. I think is that uh, they don't put concrete plants in a good part of town. No, no. It, it's you. you that's a guarantee. It's going to be in the worst part of town you can be in. Mm -hmm. Always. Always. Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're on these job sites and you're helping people out. You're setting these trucks up. Do you ever, uh, do you ever have to put your salesman hat on? Do you ever have to put on a collar shirt and, and preach the gospel and tell people they need to start doing right with a pro haul truck or. I try. I, I do that all as part of my, my normal deal. It's just part of me. I, I try giving people the best thing that they can get. You know, it's, just kind of me. I I've been doing it for so long. It's just second nature. So I try to steer them right. the same way that they need to be the, all the time. Yeah. Well, we, we just got done talking about how they're actually going to have a world of concrete here in the middle of summer. Do you ever go to shows like that? Yeah, I've been to two of them so far. And then the con Ag this last year. So what, what do you got on your plate here coming up, Billy? I mean, you know, the, the, the industry's all over the place. The, the price of building materials is high, but somehow they're still building houses, but there's not as much civil construction going on. Like, where do you, where do you see yourself traveling to, and what do you see yourself doing throughout the course of this year? Shoot. Right now, we're already doing, I see, I got New York. I got a couple more in New York to do. Uh, I got a couple, probably like two weeks worth of stuff in Florida. I got a handful here in Texas. And that's not even counting like if we got California and a couple other projects and like the Navy. I think we got a Navy deal to do. When, when you say you have, you know, stuff to do, is that uh, setting up new customers with trucks? Yeah, setting up their, their new trucks. Some of them are existing customers just kind of. Some of them don't really want to do it themselves, so they'd rather pay to have me come out and go through it and do it myself. That way they know, hey, it's it's there. Right. What's that process look like? What's the turnaround time? What, what do you actually do on a setup? Depending on really what they need, I mean, it's you're looking at anywhere between – Roughly four to six hours a truck, just depending on to get it ready. Sometimes a little less if it's a simpler product or not as many products. Okay. Well, I, I think one of the things that uh, maybe y'all haven't seen, but I got a chance to see when uh, when I met Billy, was the actual computer and the interface for this thing. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how many settings that this truck had. Uh, you could just go from page to page to page. The amount of things that you could fine tune on these trucks, you could you could really dial things in. And to watch Billy just flip right through every page and, and hitting all the buttons and calibrating things and numbers are flashing and changing. And he's backing out, backing in, backing out, backing out. He's getting things dialed in. And you just look at the operations guy of the concrete company's jaws on the floor. Yeah, he's like, I, was, I hope they don't expect me to do exactly, that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the VP was like, hey, you watching what he's doing? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah kind of. So I don't blame these guys for wanting somebody like Billy to come in and, and yeah. get it right. Billy, when did that shift take place in the volumetric market that kind of went from a more mechanical system to the electronic system? Probably you're looking right around that 24. 14, 2015 year, somewhere in that neighborhood. I know Pro All made their first computerized truck in 2015. And then the very, it was either 2014, late 2014 and early 2015. And then 2016, they went full bore with what we call the Commander, 
which is what Paul saw in person was our commander. Yeah, you need a commander to run the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean that as a slight to bro. I mean, it was incredible. It really is a positive. You should have seen this thing. It was yeah. incredible. It was incredible what you could do to fine tune that truck. But and it's yeah. only gonna get it's only gonna get better too. They're already talking about the second version of the commander now. All right, yeah. all right. Oh, breaking news, breaking news <laughs> on the pod. I don't know all the stuff. I just know it's getting better. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so in the electronic age, let's just call it after that shift in 2014 or 15, would you say that going more electronic, it's completely opened up uh, the possibilities of what the truck can do, or does it just make it easier for the truck to do certain tasks? It's a little bit of both. I mean, really, when you look at it, because, you know, you're, you're sitting there, you were limited by what you could trust your operator to do is your first problem. Okay. And second, now that you've got the computer that can tell you what you need to do, it makes it a whole lot easier and quicker to do it. You're pretty well spot on because you have all the information right there and looking at it firsthand. And the truck can tell you, hey, I'm not in target. You got to do something different, hmm. especially like on our system, because it'll, if it's not with, if the cement, just as an example, say the cement's not hitting, reaching target. It sees that it's not turning fast enough. It'll throw the error code and shut you down. Like, hey, something's not right. So there might be a little bit. Uh, there might be a little bit of a learning curve to learn how to use the software and the interface in the commander. But like, once you once you get to the point where you're well versed in it, you're saying that the product is just way more consistent. It is, and and even from the learning curve, just you're already that much further ahead because the truck's kind of leading you what you need to do. Because right. you kind of told it what it needs to do from the start, and now it's, you know, it now the truck knows. Hey, here's my perimeters. This is what I got to do. Yeah. And if it don't reach those targets, it it sends you the the errors. Awesome. Yeah. We and we love that too. We talk about technological advances on the show all the time, whether it's uh, you know talking between us three or when we have guests on, and we always talk about new technology that they can provide. But it always comes with that caveat that we we all, in one way or another, work in a very mature industry full of people that are set in their ways. Do you ever do you ever hit that wall? A lot. <laughs> a lot. The people listening to this could not see his eyes light up. <laughs> yeah, a lot. I mean, why do I need that? Why do we need a volumetric mixer? What's wrong with what we've been doing? Well, for 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do to to break through that? Is is do you have a go-to or do you got to kind of treat everyone a little different? Eh, just kind of one of those I fill them out and just kind of see how it goes that I stay persistent. Like I've had a couple of customers that I've actually broke into this year and sold them a mixer and they're going to be getting it pretty soon. So it's one of those, I stayed persistent for the last two years and now it's paid off. Hey, we're buying our first one. Let's give yeah. it a shot. Yeah. How how often does it happen where when you finally lead them to water or show them the benefits, like you see that light bulb moment and they're like, oh, I can't believe I wasn't doing this a decade ago. There's been a few of those too. And it's, you know, it's just kind of one of those, the customer called me and go, hey, we just did this and it worked. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty well what it's supposed to do. Yeah, good job. <laughs> well, well let's, uh, let's pivot for a second. Before <laughs> we get down the road of like bashing customers. <laughs> not bashing customers. It, it's, trust me, I, I treat them all the same. They're, they're, they're all good friends to me. Well, you, I saw. Hey, I saw you treat the one great. So I don't. I don't have any doubt with that. What uh, What I do want to ask about are the trucks. Um, what are the lead times? I want to take you to shoot. Right them. now, we're looking. We got a couple still available in May, and then we're pushing almost to June and July right now, just due to the demand. I mean, yeah. it's just gotten it's gone ballistic. Like the UK's started back up. So they're ordering more mixers across overseas, just period is starting to order more mixers. Plus what we got going on here, you know, it is, that's been the biggest thing. Where are these manufactured? They're, they're manufactured in Olds, Alberta, Canada. Okay, still in so Alberta. it's basically about an hour North of Calgary. 
too cold for me. No thanks. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I tell them too. They can keep their snow. Yeah. Sheila, you guys know you can come to like Alabama and they'll literally pay you to put a plant here, right? <laughs> yeah, that, those Can- the Canadians are stuck in their ways. They like it up there. For sure. Oh, man. Speaking of snow and ice, uh, how was the winter storm that hit Texas? You guys all right down there? Uh, we, we did okay. We got lucky. We only lost our water for a couple of days because it froze. But we had everything else. A couple of us lost electricity and water. And then my mother and father-in-law, they had everything. My mom, she lost electricity and water. Can you remember the last time something like that happened in, in Texas? I mean, the closest thing I can remember is like 2000, it's like 2000, 2001 was the last mm-hmm. really kind of ice cold storm, but it didn't do anything like this. I saw right. down there, uh, Texas has a lot of, kind of exotic wildlife and wildlife has been brought in for hunting or they've escaped hunting places or whatever. And it killed a lot of those because the ones that they have brought in there aren't adapted, aren't built at all for cold weather. You know, they come from Africa, they come from these different places and there were literally hundreds of animals dying at these ranches and free range. You know, if they, if they were out and about the cold killed a whole lot of them down there. Yeah, there. I was hearing. I've been reading that too. Yeah, you guys have anything else for Billy? We. Oh man, I I've learned so much already uh, from these volumetric trucks about the industry, about the history of it. Man, uh, I just uh, I appreciate being able to get to know you. It was very impressive watching you work, and I hope I see you on the road again. Yeah, without a doubt, it's it's been it was real cool meeting you and everything too. Yeah. Thanks, man. Joey, right you got on. anything else before we uh, let Mister Billy get back to it? Uh, yeah, I've been a fan of volumetric trucks, you know, since, you know, we started dealing with them. We got a couple of customers that use them and I've always wondered why they're not more common than they are. And I think with the new advances that you guys are coming out with and the, uh, just the information that you have on how they can be more efficient and, and everything else, there's, they're going to pop up more. We're going to see them more and more, just like you said, you know, it's expanding that market is so. I'm excited for it. I'm a huge fan, and uh, that you didn't have to sell me on them. I was already sold. Yeah, they're they they've definitely like I was talking to a customer earlier today, and I said, "Look, I can sell you a used truck that you know we can print basic batch stuff, and then we got this newer the newer one." He goes, "Yeah, I don't want the newer one due to the information that we can get, mm-hmm. you know, off yeah. of it." So yeah, the the technology starting to even stand out to the owners of companies for what they're trying to do and get started mm-hmm. is what I've noticed too. I do have one more quick question. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you, uh, do you have any ready mix customers that have like one or two volumetric trucks to service some small odd jobs for just so they don't have to fire up that whole batch plant for something? There's, there's been a couple. Um, well, like Josh was saying, Jason and them, they're going to have drum trucks with their volumetric up there in New York. Um, U.S. Concrete actually owns Custom Creek. So mm-hmm. basically you got a ReadyMix company that owns a fleet of 130, 120 mm-hmm. trucks. They're a big one. How's that There's, for vertical integration? <laughs> yeah, it, it was a it was a nice little buyout from us. We we were it was it was fun going to back to an actual concrete company owning us because we were owned by old castle before that and they had it oh. shoved over in the the block plants because of our sister company at the time so we just kind of had to play with their rules we had to do things all kinds of different which it made us a safer company but and that stood out even going into u.s concrete because we had such a safety standard going in here at ProAll, we've even started a consulting side to help with kind of going in and teaching people training methods, how to look at everything in the market. It's been a whole big, wide thing, kind of safety-oriented and everything to teach companies how to do this stuff now, too. It's something that we've just really started. Hey, and, and Billy, uh, let everybody know what you're 
uh, Instagram, your company's Instagram, you're, you're involved with that as well, but it's actually pretty good. Uh, what, what is pro walls Instagram handle? Uh, pro walls itself is at pro wall mix. And then mine is the, the calibrating one is at pro wall cal- underscore calibration yeah. or just pro wall calibration. Yeah. So, so if anybody listening to this wants to get, uh, just some visuals on some trucks, what they're out there doing, where they're at. Those are a couple good places to uh, get some good info. It's good stuff. You do a good job with that, Billy. Yeah, I try. It's not actually, I got something that I need to do. I've just been kind of sitting on them. haven't done them. <laughs> yeah, we, we try to, man. It, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard for us because we're not social media guys. Like, You know, this is really the first time I've even done this. So I've, I've been kind of like, well, Okay, hopefully I got everything. Yeah, exactly. Us too. So we're always like, ah, shoot, we did these awesome things all week and didn't take a single picture of it. Mm-hmm. But we're not picture takers. It's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not what yeah, we Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep, trying to get better about it, trying to help build the brand of the show. And, you know, we keep having great guests on. So we, we uh, really look forward to this exploding and look forward to people uh, hearing your show, man. It's going to be good. Yeah, it's cool. Like I said, this is the first one podcast I've ever done, so... Yeah, no worries. Everybody's the same. First podcast we've ever done. We just made one. <laughs> yeah, it was. We made it out of necessity because it was in the middle of COVID and we couldn't travel. It was like, well, let's do this podcast thing we've been talking mm-hmm. about for a while. But uh, yeah, it's it's working out, and we have uh, we have good guests on all the time, and you're certainly one of them. We really appreciate your time, and and thanks for all the information and wisdom you shared with us today. Yeah, not a problem. All right, man. Go. Yeah. Uh, Go keep your kid away from the industry and give him his <laughs> headphones back, and uh, we'll see you around. All right, man. Yeah. All right, man. See you. All right. See you. Bye. All right. That's going to do it. Thanks for joining us here for the 14th episode of the Ad 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast. And one final thanks to Billy for being our guest today. Thanks for the conversation, the wisdom, the stories. We had a great time, and hopefully you had a great time, too. Uh, tell a friend about us. If you enjoyed the podcast, also give us a rating and a comment wherever you get your podcasts. And also check us out on social media. The Facebook page and the Instagram page can be found by searching out Add 10 Gallons. And we have some video content uh, from this episode. And then we'll also have some teaser content from episodes upcoming and keep you guys aware and apprised of when the episodes will be published and dropped. And a lot of good content on there. So uh, check us out on Instagram or Facebook again. uh, One final thank you to Billy and tell a friend about us. Search out Add 10 Gallons wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see you for the next one.